Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices and instead look for the processes and the questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Angela Brown, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader at Niche, and in this episode, we have two guests with us, Kate Crowder and Tyler Hill. Kate is a public relations professional and veteran educator who has worked in the Germantown Municipal School District in Tennessee for the past 15 years. She is passionate about delivering communications-focused professional development to school-level staff members and providing teachers with tools to further the brand of the district. Kate currently serves as the president of Tinspra, where she hopes to provide a renewed focus on professional development and connectivity between her members and neighboring SPRAs. The longtime Memphian and mother of three is frequently found on the stage as a musician, actor, and director when she's not fulfilling her role in school communications. Tyler is the director of communications and planning for Arlington Community Schools located outside Memphis, Tennessee. But school PR is not his first career. Tyler graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi with a degree in broadcast journalism and spent six years working as an on-air morning news anchor and reporter. As an award-winning journalist, Tyler's passion was rooted in storytelling that spoke to the heart, and he has carried that same mentality to school PR. Tyler is the past president of Tinspra, so we've got current and past. Welcome to both of you to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Of course. So in our episode today, we're going to talk about this really cool presentation that you did together for a recent Inspira Southeast Region PD series about empowering school level employees to support storytelling in districts, which is a really big topic. We actually got some questions about that in our recent virtual summit. So I'm excited to share this podcast episode with lots and lots of people. But first, I'll start with the two questions that we ask every guest on our podcast, with the first being, what is something that you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? Well, I'll go ahead and start. And so um, just keeping in the spirit of the topic of today's podcast, (laughs) let's say that we've probably all done it, but um, yes, have you named someone at the school level as a PR person or a PR contact and then literally just walked away? (laughs) And then then you didn't, you know, you kind of get out of it what you put into it. So that's that's sort of one of the inspirations of today's uh, today's lessons. Tyler. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Kate, I mean, it's so true, right? I mean, you you give them something like, I did my job, and then you walk away. And it's so easy to do that <laughs> sometimes, I think. <clears throat> so it's interesting. I came on with my district mid-year, which is, I think, uh, fairly rare for a position like this. Usually you start at the beginning of the year. I came in mid-year. It was January. I wasn't from the Memphis area. My district had never had a communications person on staff. It was a split role amongst several people uh, at the district level. And so I came in like bright eyed, like, oh, I'm going to tell every single story I possibly can that's going on in the district. Because as a former journalist, I'm like, schools are sprawling with like very good and interesting stories. I'm like, I'm going to cover it all. And I quickly learned like, "Mm, no, can't do that. I'm a one man shop, cannot do that. And so immediately, like just a few months later, when we came back for the new year in August, that's when I really broke out into this kind of idea of branding my own digital media team, which again is timely for today's topic. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it. Absolutely. 
Our next question is, what practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? I mean, Tyler and I were just talking about this before we came on. I feel like in the last year, it's what a great time to be alive in school PR. There is PD everywhere you look. Social, You can find it on social media invitations. Um, all the SPRAs are now inviting other SPRAs to come to theirs. So I, you know, I've been to some incredible professional developments put on by California this month. Last week, I just wrapped on Andrea Gribble's Instagram challenge. And oh, yeah. Andrea's great. It was next level amazing and again free. And I brought all of my school support people, all my school comms team, they came with me. And so they were like, this was great. We want to subscribe. So what a, what a great thing. What great opportunities are out there. You just have to look at them. A lot of them are recorded. You can go back and listen to them later. But if you're looking for ideas, that is definitely the place to start. Yeah, same as Kate. Um, also, I mean, Twitter, Instagram, stalking other districts, even uh, like mimicking or like altering, I don't know, similar cadences mm -hmm. from like high end professional brands. So like corporate industry. I mean, I always like to even see what they're doing to see how I can mimic it at the kind of public school in the public school arena. Because, you know, working in education and Kate knows this so well, it can be so cyclical, right? I mean, you're covering the same things every single year, back to school, band performances, uh, you know, that interesting science project. And so the struggle is how do I cover this, but in a new and refreshing light? And I think by following, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and even, you know, great TikTok accounts can really uh, help you draw some inspiration. That's great. Yeah, I think there's there's always opportunity to draw inspiration from inside and outside the industry. You know, it's it's hard to remember when you get into that pattern of firefighting over the course of the school year and doing some of the the repeated events, but but it's 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 always good to kind of take that time to look up and see what else is going on elsewhere. So we started with your bios at the beginning of the episode, but when we had our planning call, I thought it was really interesting to hear about your different backgrounds with Kate having some previous experience as a classroom teacher and Tyler's background in journalism. Can you both share more about your backgrounds and how they influence your perspectives with your current work? I'm going to let Tyler go first because I feel like you're more of a traditional uh, communications person. <laughs> Yeah. So my background is in broadcast journalism. I spent several years doing that. And so really the whole idea behind being a journalist is that you're a storyteller. I mean, you're finding interesting, unique, sometimes niche stories to tell. And I guess I could go back to one of the books I read in college that was most impactful on my career and still is today. I've actually read it again since being in school communications. And it's a book by Al Tompkins, a legendary journalist who's now at the Pointer Institute, um, known worldwide. But particularly his book, Aim for the Heart, is used in journalism classes across the country and across the globe. And it really shows you how to look at stories differently and make sure that you're always using your copy, meaning what you're writing, whatever whatever the script to the story is, but also whatever sound bites that you get on camera to make sure that both of those are aiming for the heart. It's not just 
stats or facts. You're really drawing that emotion from whatever subject you are, you're talking about. And that has stuck with me since, you know, you know, since day one walking into the journalism field is that I'm always trying to find unique voices to hear from and really get that emotion. And that emotion, you know, doesn't have to be sad. I mean, it could be humorous. It could be whatever it, whatever it means for that story. Uh, but that, that's huge for me. And so coming into a school district, that's what I found, you know, kind of doing an audit of things we were doing, things we weren't doing at Arlington Community Schools. And, and I think it was kind of showcasing those stories that we hadn't really been able to tell before. And um, I think just storytelling helps build that trust between families and your parents and colleagues. And it's just great. So I'm a, I'm a huge making sure that you're finding the story to tell. Yeah. And in a classroom, it's really no different. So my 15 prior years to this working in middle schools and in elementary schools, we are storytellers, you know, teachers. And I think, like you said in my bio, I love performance and quickly found at a, at a really young age, just that passion for the value of what goes on in a classroom, those daily interactions with students. And I think, you know, if we talk about like using our gifts or whatever, you know, use your gift for storytelling, That this is something that I can get behind for sure. And I think anybody could. I mean, uh, public education is so pivotal to to country to the to our society that it is um it's an honor to be able to tell the story of a public school district every day and tyler's right there is no shortage of not just stories but like stories that make you feel something and i think that is how i relate this back to the classroom of course to all that experience working in schools and seeing this from the outside in doesn't hurt either, I suppose, when um, we get into like the meat of today. So, you know, how do you convince a second grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher or a Latin teacher to want to be on your team? Um, and, you know, what are what are the motivating factors? What are what are the things that they're dealing with day to day? So it comes it's, it's nice, I think, to, to have that perspective sometimes in that in this job. I think that's where this topic becomes really, really useful to people because a common question that I see is we know that marketing and communicating about, you know, your school or your district's value proposition, your brand, that's everyone's job, but everybody doesn't want to do that job. <laughs> so it can be really it can be really difficult to 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 explain the why to people who are outside of a communications department and incentivize them to support that work. So I'm excited to dig into that today. What inspired you to collaborate on a presentation on this topic? You know, just thinking back to teacher days, I mean, I think that's something about being from the classroom. We are always all about collaboration. It's it's a little bit different than maybe than marketing in that. And so you know, I love to go to meetings. Um, I love to go to professional developments. And then you see talent, you know, and I have a drive to to want to be like, I would like to take that talent. And I want more people to know, you know, what I just discovered. And so here's Tyler. He's, he's a little bit younger than I am. But what a superstar, like superstar. I feel like everybody needs to know Tyler Hill's name. And <laughs> yeah, I begrudging, not begrudgingly, but you know, um, I'm the the president or whatever of, of, of Tennessee School Public Relations Association this year. And so just as a part of what we're trying to accomplish this year and to, to be more collaborative with our neighboring SPRAs, 
trying to put ourselves out there. And so um, we just, I saw an opportunity and said, Tyler, will you join me on this adventure? Um, will you? Will, yeah. Or Tyler, you will. <laughs> Tyler, I've got, yeah. <laughs> That's the teacher in me. I'm like, I know that you need this. Um, and this is going to be really good for you. And what Tyler and I may not have mentioned yet, yet so far in this podcast, we are direct competitors. Um, so mm. we um, actually recruit students and staff. Um, we, we are marketing in the same community. And I like to show people too, you know, I think just because we're competing sometimes, and, and though that is important, collaboration is paramount, especially in, a, in this type of work where you are a one-person public relations shop for public school. Yeah, our offices are literally 22 minutes away from each other. And so that collaboration is super helpful. And honestly, not just between uh, Kate and myself, but we have um, we in, in the Memphis area, we have a large county system and then we have about six municipal districts. And I mean, we just really collaborate well. We have a, a text group uh, here in, in the Shelby County, Memphis area where we are always texting, hey, did you get this inquiry? Or, hey, how are you handling this? What are you guys doing for this? And so it's very helpful. And so when Kate uh, forced me to do this presentation, <laughs> I knew that it was payback because when I was tense for president, I needed a president-elect and said, Kate, you will be the, the president-elect. So she was getting me back in a way. Uh, but no, it, it was great. And, and honestly, when you collaborate like this, it's it's so helpful because I got so many ideas from Kate and I know Kate has told me that she's taken some of my ideas. And so it's that kind of uh, what they say in Inspira admire and acquire collaboration can help you do that and spark new ideas and get inspiration. So it's great. So if someone is thinking about going down the path of building a branded team for their district, what might that look like? So Kate, I'll kind of let you jump in uh, first because I know that you created your team. Um, you've been with your district a little longer. And so I think it's interesting to hear your perspective since your team has been around a little longer and then I'll kind of follow up how we do it. Okay, yeah, perfect. So um, I think the first, to, to me, the very, very first thing that, that one needs to do is to make sure that everybody understands your vision of what that team is going to be. Um, so for me in Germantown, First step was, you know, it, making sure the principal of the school understands and is is an active member on that team, um, because I think it's it's like I said at the beginning, you can't just name someone and walk away. And the reality is, you do need someone boots on the ground that really understands the why. And and principals are going to be a likely person to do that. And you know, I think we we ended up having you know just sort of like a thought session. Um, I kind of let them help co-author what these school teams are gonna look like. And then you get some buy-in there, I suppose. On our school communication teams, which we call the GMSD link tank, we have stipended positions, and then we have positions that are volunteer. And this includes, like I said, that school administrator, then usually a point person that's on the administration team that that principal designates, like somebody that wants this, that wants to own this, um, a social media coordinator, a webmaster for the school, and then a whole slew of school content curators. So that's the yearbook sponsor. And their role is very simple. They just, when they're getting pictures in, they put them in a Google Drive, which connects to the Canva, which connects to the content creators, you know? So it's a it's an elaborate network, but it's, it's that whole concept, you know, many hands make the work light. So 
just getting the right people on there, um, ITCs, which is our, our our instructional technology coordinators, so our technology people. And I know that Tyler uses those folks as well over in his district. They're a great resource. Uh, media specialists or librarians are a good resource. So making sure, and we'll, we'll talk more about the specific communications person um, and why I do stipends a little bit in, in a little bit, but you want to build out a team that's many people, not just, you know, it's not just two people, but yeah, that is, that's where we started was by having the principals kind of design what they wanted that to look like at their school. Yeah. I think those conversations with the principal is, and exactly what Kate described is key to making the team work having the principals have that buy into who they think would be valuable on the team, but also just kind of doing the legwork at the district yourself sometimes is helpful too. And so Kate mentioned for us, we call them instructional technology facilitators. This is the type of position many districts have them, especially since so many districts are one-to-one with devices now since the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people have something like an instructional technology facilitator. These are the teachers that go into the classroom and help teachers learn how to incorporate technology into their lessons and into the curriculum. And so this kind of person is already a very natural fit for something like a digital media team because they are in so many classrooms. Sometimes the problem with getting, and we've had this in the past, I've had like a specialty teacher on my branded team, but they are so specialized, say (laughs) they're an art teacher. They're so specialized that they're in that pocket only, and they don't get to travel the rest of the school to see what's going on. But if you have someone that you can identify that just very naturally has to go across the school, those are the type of people that are no, that they're going to know what stories are happening in your building. And they're going to be able to feed that to you at the district level. So really identifying those type of people that are really in every corner of the school building. Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah. So true. It's so easy to do. And I, I think um, some of them, and it can become second nature, you know, with the, just a little bit mm-hmm. of training, which I guess brings us to incentives yeah yes yes incentives and money (laughs) so so we'll we'll start we'll start with the budget piece because that's something that I can see bubbling up in people's brains as they're listening can you talk about how people can start to engage these other folks outside of their offices on a small budget or without one at all yeah, and so we um, we do stipends here in Germantown Municipal School District for two of the positions on that committee. That would be the social media manager and the webmaster for the school. They are very small stipends, so it's a pretty low budgetary impact. Um, and the reason that we do make it a stipend is because typically with our stipends, just in our district, and it would be something to investigate in your own district, comes the expectation of professional development or additional professional development that you're taking on. And then um, we also do flex PD here in our district, which means um, teachers have to earn outside hours of professional development to make up for days that they are given off, if that makes it's a budgetary tactic that we use um, to Mm-hmm. encourage our, our teachers to go to professional development. But um, we build the stipend along with some flex PD that's built in. So they know that they're signing up for this. It's going to satisfy this many credits. They're also going to get this monetary award. But yeah, I think it's important to show the value 
um, or that we value them and we see that as being additional work that we want to compensate for just like we would uh, compensate someone for helping to write curriculum at the school level. And this person also is going to have, you know, a set of expectations. You know, it's, it's, you know, you can't just say you are this and then walk away and write them a check at the end of the year. You know, there's a, there's a quarter one check-in, a quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, um, certain things that we're, we're asking them to, to look at as the manager of either the website or the social media presence. And so on the flip side, over in Arlington Community Schools, we actually do not have a stipend for those members on the digital media team. And uh, so we do have webmasters as well, but that's a separate component. Uh, that's not part of the digital media team. They do get stipends. Uh, but as far as when we're talking about kind of public relations in the building, uh, my, my folks do not uh, have a stipend attached. However, there are some other incentives that we do give this position. And so every teacher knows this. You have some kind of duty in your school outside of your classroom. <laughs> Many times that is standing in the car rider line in the morning, in the afternoon sun or the snow or rain, whatever it may be. And that's your duty, rain or shine, right? <laughs> so by being on the digital media team, this becomes your school duty outside of your classroom or outside of your regular role. And so... I mean, I think that's a great incentive if you do not have a budget, right? Because now you can tell them, hey, you don't have to go out to the car rider line or or do cafeteria duty or whatever it may be. You can be on the digital media team and instead help run your social media or help uh, publicize your school in different ways. And so if you are in a district that um, either you don't have the budget, you haven't been able to convince you know, the higher ups that you need a stipend for this position, there are ways to get creative that does not cost your district money and still incentivize employees to want to be on your team. That's great. I love the duty swapping idea as, as someone who knows the struggle of that really, really cold <laughs> carpool uh, recess duty. I remember it all very, very well. <laughs> so yes. to continue further down the path of swag and incentives, Kate, I know you have some great swag examples that I want to dig into and some other ideas. What are your suggestions for ways that school communicators can recognize members of these brand armies and help them feel a little special? And I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Literally anything you can do to make them feel special. So, you know, we want to make sure that they're identifiable in the building, um, that their peers and colleagues know that they have this position. Like how unfortunate to think, you know, nobody knows who the webmaster is at a school or nobody knows who's running um, the Facebook account. They should get credit for that. And so we build um, pennants. That's like the old college things. And it'll say, you know, I'm a member of the link tank or I'm the social media uh, coordinator. And we put those over doors. Um, we do the same thing for lots of other stipended positions in the district as well. So we want to celebrate our like um, our mentors that we use for our tenure onboard journey trainers, you know. You can set them up with special email signature graphics um, so that when they send people emails, you know, that they're easily identifiable. And then Tyler's got an incredible thing that he shared with me that I'm stealing for next year, where they even <laughs> send out an email at the beginning of the year, kind of explaining to all of their peers what their role is going to be. And then, of course, like you want to make sure that at district wide events, um, we often run 
social media walls. I know lots of people do that and we're running hashtag campaigns and doing big giveaways like t-shirts and prizes and beach vacations and all these fun things. And you want to make sure that it's not just, um, they shouldn't be just hiding behind their school logo at that point. You know, we, you want to make sure that you're putting them up on a platform on a pedestal. I saw this amazing idea that I'm absolutely going to steal at the um, AASA conference. That's the National Superintendents Organization. They had um, at their big conference, they had created basically pull-up banners, which I think that's so cost-effective. We only have six schools. It's like, what, $150 for a pull-up banner. And it had the like the winners of social media just on display, not the winners, but, you know, people that everybody knows, superintendents that are great on yeah. Twitter, for example. And so they're sitting on couches and then there are things right behind them just pulled up and it's so colorful. You could come in and they just talk to other superintendents about why it's important to be brave and to be on Twitter. And I saw a lot of superintendents just like standing there and joining Twitter. So it that was really great to see. And I'm hoping to emulate something like that at our next big get together, because we not only have our social media coordinators who need to be a part of that pack as well, but then there are just some teachers in our district that do an exceptional job promoting what's going on in their classroom each day. And we just want to make sure to raise awareness, you know, put put them on display. And, and I think sometimes that recognition... It, seems like maybe the nature of someone that is really good on social media, that may be the appropriate incentive. That is their love language. I think, you know, having people know that um, they're out there doing that is is helpful and makes more people want to join the team. That's great. I love that there are ways to recognize people and help them to feel special that either cost nothing, you know, again, or cost very little. You know, it doesn't have to be a heavy lift, overly complicated or super expensive, which I think can be a, hur a hurdle for some people as they're thinking about some of this work. So I want to talk about getting these people equipped and trained and ready to mobilize. And I love the framework that you laid out in your presentation where you talk about equipping people with hardware, equipping them with software and equipping them with knowledge. You both have really great examples for everything from live streaming technology and royalty-free music, which is a question I hear come up a lot, to just helping people who aren't trained marketers to think like marketers, which is where the knowledge piece comes in. So Kate, maybe you can kick us off. And then Tyler, I know you have some really great advice and examples for helping people outside of communications to understand storytelling. Yeah, I, I think just just like any group that you're getting ready to engage with or teach it's important to know you know what they want to get out of it and so sometimes too stuff makes people feel more legitimate i know that sounds crazy but i can 100 percent relate to this of course i've always loved to take pictures just as a hobby but um i don't think it was until i took this specific job where, you know, I was able to buy a really nice camera. And that was a game changer for me. It changed, you know, having a giant camera with big lenses in a strange way. It makes me feel less like, is, that, is it okay to say stalker? So you're a journalist, Tyler, and you're going to be like, mm. but for me, I'm always like, who's that? Amateur. Who is that lady with the, with the taking my picture? Uh, oh, yeah. yes, um, yes. And I think you have a camera and people are like, oh, that's a photographer. And in a strange way, if that's what it takes to um, make people braver. And I, I do, I do think like as a non-photographer, that is a factor, you know, it's just a, it's, it can be a bravery thing. Now, Tyler's going to have some incredible tips on just in general, how to take a better picture, but you also have to like get, you have to get in there, you know, you have to get in there, you have to 
to get up there. And so if stuff makes you feel more legitimate, I want uh, people to have that. I think sometimes people have asked for things that I've never heard of. And then I think, what a wonderful thing. And then I'll get one for <laughs> myself too. And for everybody else on the team, because wow, that really did make things go faster. I think that was the case with the Wacom boards. Maybe it was more of a visual artist that year that had that position. And it's like a giant essentially like a giant mouse pad, but man, it makes things on Canva just go so fast. Or um, if you're in Photoshop. Yeah. So talk about a little bit of a game changer on the design aspect there. Live streaming technology. We have peg funding and I, I know a lot of other districts have access to peg funding and you can actually use peg funding to build mini studios in each of your schools. Talk about being able to increase the the quality of what comes out of a school by building like a little, you know, a legitimate little TV studio with good mics and, you know, uh, green screens and, and good lighting. So there's just lots of opportunities, little opportunities, but you've got to listen. You got to listen to what people want. And then you have to like follow through with getting them what they want. Yeah. And so when Kate and I laid out this presentation, um, as mentioned earlier, we're kind of laid it out in stages, right? Equipped with hardware is that very physical hardware that Kate's been talking about, uh, which is important. But then software, I think, uh, can be just as important as those you know physical tools you have and so uh canva is a great resource and and kate can give some uh great um steps on how she has implemented canva district-wide not only for her staff and teachers but students as well but one of my favorite pieces of software that we've invested in um, is a newsletter service provider uh, we use s'more in arlington community schools and so how this came about is that our elementary teachers, particularly, they were already required to send home a weekly newsletter anyway. And when I say these were old school, y'all, they were old school. <laughs> I'm talking clip art on a Word document saved as a PDF, printed and sent home. Maybe sometimes emailed. Wow. Let, let's get, let's, let's. Let's give them a little room and say, okay, well, we didn't print them all out. We emailed them, but still they were emailed out in a PDF format and it just did not work out well. I mean, I, it, it worked, it worked, but we could do it better. And so we, we got s'more, but what s'mores allowed them to do is one, it's, I think that's, you know, super easy to make. And I'm, you know, you could use other newsletters, newsletter services besides s'more. This is just the one we use. But one, it, it made it easier for them to make. They're more effective on mobile devices. You have to think that you know ninety percent or higher of parents reading whatever we send home to them, they're going to be reading it on their phone, and so it has to be optimized for for that level. Uh, but my favorite part of it is it allowed them to tell stories from their classroom in a much more effective way. On the old newsletters, they weren't putting, here's what we did in class, or and here's a little picture of, of whatever project. But with a digital newsletter service, you are able to do that. So you're able to bring parents inside your classroom, and that itself is building a branded team. It doesn't have to be just the people you've identified to be on your digital media team. Your teachers can also help tell the district's story. And by having, you know, a digital newsletter service, our, our teachers are able to share those unique things that are happening in the classroom. The parents, either maybe they heard about it from their kid or they didn't hear the whole story. Now they're kind of, be, they're, they're being brought into the classroom. And so that's been super helpful as, as one example of software. But um, motion array, audio blocks, 
these are subscription services that, you know, can get you royalty free music, which is so important um, at all costs. Please uh, avoid a lawsuit from Getty Images or or um, any kind of music provider that wants to come after you because you decided to use a 30 second clip uh, that you didn't own. Uh, that's so important. And in, in my district, we actually did have at the high school level, we have a journalism class and they used a Getty image and Getty images. They, they take it seriously and they will send you cease and desist letters and then they'll make you pay them back for whatever image you used. And so uh, for me, it was really important to get a subscription service, particularly in place for the digital media team. So they can help advocate the district's message of, make sure the content you're using is licensed before you use it. Mm -hmm. So important. Yep. And I, I will just like a quick, a quick nod to Canva because that is something that's been pretty great in our school district. My, my new best friend, he actually, not really my best friend. I've never met him. He sent me an email because I keep talking about it in podcasts or, or shows or presentations. And he was like, I keep getting emails. His email address is Andy Shaw and that's S-H-A-W at Canva.com. He reached out to me and he was like, did you know that your entire district could have hit Canva for free? Students, teachers, everyone. I mean, it's just totally free. Pro level accounts. And wow talk about like the newsletter suddenly got better the powerpoints i'm watching just look better as i'm walking through the halls all of the social media graphics coming out of the schools i mean it just elevated the design the design across the whole school district not to mention that when you do it as a district i have been able to build in um, brand kits, you know, so I've developed an entire brand scheme for each school um, and made sure that their logo packs are up to date. And then I worked with the designer to make sure that their logo is in a few different, I mean, not different logos, but like different formats, you know, um, that might be good in a social mm -hmm. media context. And um, I think, you know, them having access to that, that's, 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 that's a good thing. So like just the little things, you know, software wise that we might take for granted, like they don't have access to designers and they don't have you know, they don't have training and logo, logo packs and branding colors necessarily, but they know if you put it in there, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the look, that's the look we want. So uh. <laughs> just purely giving them access is so important, particularly when you're talking about those different kind of logos, horizontal, vertical, uh, reversed logo, right? Yeah. Again, because they're not marketers, they don't know anything about logos a lot of times. And so I can't tell you how many flyers I've seen where it's a dark background and you use the dark logo. I can't even see the logo and it doesn't fall in with branding lines. So even if it's, yeah, there's an education campaign behind that. Here's when you should use this logo. Here's when you should use that logo. But a lot of times it's as simple as giving them access to those files. And a lot of times they can, they can make that logical decision. Oh yeah, this, this reverse white logo would probably look better on this dark blue background. Right. So I think the access is so important. That's a, that's a good point because when I see these conversations come up, it's usually from a place of panic because that access has not been granted. And so you have the person who's right clicking on a logo from the website and downloading it and slapping a really grainy JPEG onto a flyer or worse. And really, if, if you give, if you combine education with that empowerment and access, 
you can get a better result. It takes some legwork at the beginning, but I, I do think it's helpful for people to hear that as the you know steward of your district's brand in communications, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to hold on to everything. If you provide people with what they need to do things correctly, layered over that educational foundation, they actually, in most cases, they can make the right choice. Yeah, trust, right? trust goes a long way. But then, you know, there is a training. Uh, there's a training aspect to that. I'm going to throw that to Tyler because he does an incredible job showing showing what he knows um, as a broadcast journalist and tra- translating that, you know, to like, I can still relate to it, Tyler, because, you know, as a, a fourth grade science teacher, you know, I didn't have those classes in college. So um, tell yeah. us, tell us some of the things that you, uh, that you go over with your, with your team. Yeah, man. So uh, when we talk about equipping your brand army or whatever, um, whatever team you have, you know, we talked about hardware, we talked about software. And then the most important thing I think is equipping your team with that knowledge. And, um, and we've mentioned it a couple times today is, you know, they weren't trained in communication. So do they know what makes a good story? And for my team at the beginning of every year, whether they've been on the team, whether they're a repeater or whether they're brand new to the team, uh, because I'm sure Kate has the same dynamic. Sometimes maybe whoever's on my team team takes on a new responsibility or a new leadership role. And so they can no longer do the digital media team. So there's a mix of new and old. And so regardless, I go over this every year during in-service when they return from summer break. We talk about what makes a good story. And I kind of break that out. Day-to-day stories versus feature stories. And those day-to-day stories, a lot of times they don't see the difference, but there is. A day-to-day story would be like, uh, you know, a guest speaker coming in, uh, maybe a class project, maybe something that's typical. Again, maybe something that's a little more cyclical from year to year. Uh, but feature stories go a level deeper. And that's what I want to mention, aim for the heart. These are those feature stories. So is there a program or a method that is showing results? You see how asking that one question is a little deeper than, hey, what project did you do today? No, I want to know what culturally are you doing in your classroom or your building that is making a difference? And immediately we go a step further. And so I really talk to them and we have those conversations. What's a day-to-day versus what's more of a feature story? What makes a good picture? This seems so logical, but it's not. And I get some like stares around the room when we give this presentation, like, oh, I maybe I, I do this. And so I have like this little graphic that I give them that has real life examples from things that we've posted on our school Facebook and Twitter pages. And it's bad, boring, and best. And these photos were taken on iPhones or on the school um, issued, you know, iPads to show them that, yes, it's really great if you have that DSLR, that latest mirrorless camera, uh, but you don't have to have those cameras to convey emotion and to tell really good stories. You can do it from your iPad or tablet or phone or whatever. And so I really show them, here's a bad photo. And, And the example that I always have in my little packet that I give them is the back of a kid's head. What story does that tell? Like, yeah, he has a great haircut. uh, Good for him. But like, that's not telling the story, right? And so then we also look at what are some boring photos? That's where the kids are standing up against the wall. There's no depth. 
there's no uh, depth perception, I guess, between the foreground and the background. And so I really teach them how if you can have bring them away from the background, create this nice kind of blurry bokeh background that immediately elevates the picture you're taking. And then, of course, the best photo is showing some type of emotion. They're working on a class project, really kind of get in their face and, and see that those facial features that they have when they're working on that project. And then um, the, the final kind of equipping with knowledge that I always give them is how do you find stories? Again, you know, as a trained journalist, I know what questions to ask, who to go to and how to find those stories that maybe people don't talk about. But a lot of times the people on the on these teams, they're teachers. This is not their full time gig. They're doing other things. They're preparing for state tests, whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. And so how do you help them find these stories? And so I give them an email template at the beginning of every year. Uh, that they work with their principals to send out, uh, but they basically broadcast it to their whole school where they basically say, I'm excited to serve on this team. Here's my role. Here's what I'm looking for. If you have stories going on, let me know. If it's something I can cover or come take a picture, I'll do that. But I also may siphon it up to the district level and get Tyler to come out and uh, do a video on it. And so that not only helps them at the school level, but it helps me at district office find stories that I wouldn't have known about. Yeah. And I, interestingly enough, just bringing it back to the principals or the leadership at the schools, equipping them with some knowledge is, is really good. Uh, one thing that, that we that came out of our last collaboration lab where we specifically talked about school communications planning, they asked for help creating a content calendar. And so I went ahead and just went to Pinterest and subscribed or purchased a whole slew of content calendars for the school year and for next school year. And I'm sharing those, you know, with the inv the individual principals, depending on which one best suited their needs, I guess. And then we do like a little admin newsletter where I'll go in and I'll put story ideas, you know, like give them ideas. And so that team and those principals, it'll say something like, hey, did you know that Wednesday is administrative assistance day? Like here are some clever ideas and then even some examples sometimes of ways that other school districts across the country have tackled certain things. Another incredible thing or resource, I guess, that I've started for those school teams. I'm a member of that Facebook page, the School Communications Pros Discussion page, which is amazing. If you are not a member, get to Facebook and join immediately. Because, And I know I see you there, Angela. <laughs> I'm like, I see you on there all the time. <laughs> But talk about a place where people just openly share ideas, you know, and so I feel like what Tyler was just talking about, um, I saw maybe just last week, there were all these great posts of people sharing graphics that they had made, like, here's how it would I share with my teachers. And so um, I just have a running Google Doc that I share with my comms team the school level ones. And I just share all the things that I learn in that discussion group. It is a quick copy and paste. No matter where I am, I see it. I just pop it in there. Um, later, I'll try to go in and like provide credits, you know, because I hate to be like absolutely stealing other people's ideas and then passing it to, to people that they don't know. <laughs> but what what great ideas and great things for them to be seeing. So I'll see something and be like, wow, that's really great. Are you looking for inspiration on how to recognize assistant principals this week or, you know, put that in there and then they could go and click. So they're, they're seeing ideas for content creation. They are seeing ideas for the best way to put that content out there. 
So yeah, I think examples speak volumes with people that don't do this on a daily basis, for sure. That's great. So I'm actually going to take a step back and ask a fundamental question. How do you handle the people who kind of fold their arms across their chests and say, I'm a second grade math teacher. Why should I care about this? What do you do about those people? Because <laughs> I think that is that is the hardest thing, right? Is, you know, like you you have all of these great processes in place for bringing people along as you're building these brand armies. But there are always the folks who don't understand why they should care about this to begin with. So I, uh, I've been brought in to various schools from time to time to, um, in my district to give, um, I, I love the presentation. It's called email 101, <laughs> uh, but it really teaches them how to respond to parents in a professional way, especially when the parent maybe isn't professional to you. Uh, but in that presentation, I also kind of mix in the storytelling aspect and what I try to get across to them is why you should care about this is because it's all about building relationships with your parents. Yes, it's sometimes as simple as sharing what projects are happening in your classroom or what Johnny got to do. If you're bringing them along this journey, you're building those relationships with your parents. So when something inevitably goes wrong, maybe a bad grade is given or uh, something negative happens in the classroom. If you're building these relationships through storytelling along the way, I guarantee you whenever something negative pops up, it's going to be a much easier conversation to have because you've been talking and you've been building this relationship with these parents over the years. So yeah, we do have those naysayers sometimes like, I've got to worry about end of year testing. I'm not going to worry about this. It's a mindset. It's a cultural mind sh- mind shift that you have to make in order to realize the potential and what it can and what it can help with. Yeah, I I mean that's 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 huge. I that's a hard question to answer though, Angela. I mean, what what how do you how do you get someone to do that doesn't want to do? Hopefully, if your principal understands what is going on and um, is a part of that team, I find that that, to me, that's my safeguard because I think they're the person, you know, as their direct supervisor, like, I can't be like, I gave you $500 and now I'd like to to tell you how it ne- how it's going to be. <laughs> now, with that $500, that does give me the right at the end of the year to be like, wow, we're going to need a different person in that role. Um, but usually the principal being an active member of that team is way like nine steps ahead of me on that one. And so they're able to have those coaching conversations at the school level with a, with a supervisor um, or a mentor that they trust and know, maybe a little more than the district comms person. But, but Tyler's right. I think if you make it a part of the culture, and that is something that I think Arlington and Germantown both do a fairly good job of doing. You make it a real part of the culture that we do have the expectation that you don't, you're not, even those that are not on the team, it is crucial that you are providing that window. You're building those relationships um, with the, with the general community. So we want our teachers on their preferred social media platforms, sharing what's happening in their classrooms and, and demonstrating to them how that does really pay off in dividends, not just for us as a school district, but for them as a professional. You know, he he gives one called Email 101. I think I, I give one each year called, you know, building your teacher brand. 
um, because that's that's a reality. I think you know whether they're going to work in our district forever or they're going to move into a different district or possibly into another field. Your social media is in many ways your brand, your professional brand that you're putting out there, and it's it's a mixture of the personal and the professional. And there are some great ways to to connect and to enhance that for yourself um, in 2022. Yeah, I think it's easier dealing with a person who isn't motivated on your, say, your branded team, your brand army, because next year you just wouldn't invite them back yeah. to be on your team. <laughs> uh, I think the bigger question, maybe what you were getting at is how do you make that cultural shift within you, the building school wide? And I think Kate touched on it and it cannot be understated how important it is that your leaders in the building are modeling that behavior. Um, and so if we're expecting, for example, our elementary teachers to send home newsletters every week to their parents and, and them be engaging, well, then I think it's also up to your leadership team to model that behavior. And our elementary schools get it and they do a good job. They send an external newsletter home every week and they send an internal newsletter every week. So they're modeling that behavior. And it's so important. If your leaders aren't doing it, why should the teachers care? Why should the staff care? And so it's also coaching the leaders throughout the year as well. Yes. And modeling, this is, it's, it's so funny. It's like newsletters on newsletters on newsletters, but you know what? They're important. And it's, it's like he said, like if your superintendent is not on social media or is not sending a routine um, newsletter that even explains, like there's a section of our newsletter that's like, this is for your newsletter. Like, you know, um, just to just to make it a little easier, like here's a copy paste. Like <laughs> if you need if you're looking for some content, like here's some content that you can use and make it relevant to your staff. And, and we find that, you know, people like hearing from their direct supervisors so it's, it's basically the, the long and short of how we're sort of tackling that in the GMSD. Yeah, I, I agree across the board that leadership is so important. I think sometimes in communications, we feel like we have to carry everything, and that doesn't always work. <laughs> when, you're, when you're trying to actually initiate some cultural change, you really need it to be supported by folks at, at a different level. Well, I think we can end there. So before we close things out, I'm sure lots of people will want to connect with you after listening to this. Where can people find you online if they want to reach out or learn more about the work that you're doing? Well, um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, um, and I, I can share that information um, with you, Angela, if you're if you're interested. But it's Kate Crowder. You know, there's only like three of us, I think, in the country. I am not the ballet dancer. Um, <laughs> I'm the one with the pigtails in my profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at T Hill media. Um, and then my school's Instagram, uh, which I, I love running at the district level is at Arlington underscore schools. It's totally focused on students. Uh, that's the only thing you're going to find on my Instagram page is student stories. And so I really like that. And if I can make one last point before we go, and, uh, and it's important that maybe we should have led with it. Uh, but everything Kate and I talked about today is scalable. Um, whether you're a small district or a very large district. We have large districts in Tennessee uh, that do a great job of having branded teams. And in fact, for large districts, it would probably help you so much if you have teams at your uh, school levels doing this, really focus in on those teams. So 
I just want to leave with that last nugget just because Kate and I are on the smaller school (laughs) spectrum. She has six schools. I have four schools. Like it's very scalable and it's achievable. That's great. Well, thank you both for sharing so many insights with us today. I think this is going to be a great episode. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. (laughs) 